Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, come on, why don't you stand up on your feet with me one more time today. Let's get our, our aerobics in. So stand up. We'll make this a cardio event as well. And uh, if you have a Bible on you or if you have a phone you use as your Bible, I want you to grab it, get it in your hand, and we're going to make a confession of our faith. And I believe this with all of my heart. Whenever the devil comes to lie to you, he comes with fiery darts and he comes with words. He speaks into your mind. How many of you have ever had the devil come and lie to you with something about you, your future, what, what? what's wrong with you and how you're never going to make it. I'll tell you, whenever the devil comes and lies to you with words, you have to learn to answer his lies with words as well. Come on, the battle is a battle of words. Can I get an amen out there? So it's my job as a pastor to train you and teach you to speak the word of God out of your mouth. And so we're going to speak the word of God about the Bible over our life. Come on, go ahead and grab it. Hold it up. If you don't have your own, take your neighbors. You could say this. You could say, this is my iPhone. No, no, no. Let's say this is my Bible. Come on. It is the Word of God. It's a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. I'll hide this Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Today I hear, and my faith grows in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody say amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. You know, there was something that went viral uh, about a week or two ago on the internet. There's something new that's viral all the time, but it was a photo of a birthday cake of a little girl. They're going to throw it up on the screen in one second, and she's two years old there. Her cake is rather unfortunate. I don't know if you can see it from out there, but the cake says, happy birthday, loser. So uh, somewhere out there in a Walmart, they're taking applications. If anybody wants to apply to be a cake maker, right now there's an opening in the bakery department, but I think what really happened was the little girl's name was Lizard. I don't know if that's much better. And when they told her, happy birthday, uh, Lizard, they heard loser, and somebody back there put loser on the cake. Now, how many of you know that this two-year-old child, if there's one thing she isn't, she is definitely not a loser, because she is made in the image of God. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. She is finely handcrafted. She has a purpose and a plan, and she was built Built for God's handiwork, that's what every child is. Come on, every child is a word sent from heaven and a blessing from God. Can I get an amen? Every child in the womb was sent with a purpose and a mission from heaven, and all of them have value. And so when we look at kids, we see the potential in their life. There's a truth whenever you look at any person. Every person is made in the image of God, is fearfully and wonderfully made, and God loves them and is wild about them. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and tell them God loves you just like you are. Tell them that, right? So there, there's a truth in the fact that we are all special and we're made in the image of God, right? That's one side of the coin. There's another side of the coin where there are seven billion other people that are special and made in the image of God, right? So there's this tension. 
where we're, we're God's chosen, we're God's people, we're, we're made like God, but then on the other side, there are other people around us that are chosen and God's people, and we respect and honor them and love them too. So no child is a loser, but as we live in life, it's true that yes, number one, we're made in the image of God, but number two, the choices we make in our life will come to pass and make us either realize the potential God placed in us or miss the mark long term. How many of y'all would agree with me out there that there really are winners and losers in a sense in life? Come on, somebody. We all, we love them all. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. But how many of you know at the end of the Super Bowl, come on, somebody is taking home the, the, the trophy and somebody else isn't, right? At the end of the Wimbledon, somebody gets the cup, somebody else doesn't. At the end of the fight out in Vegas, somebody's coming out with the belts and somebody isn't. Now I'm telling you what, I don't keep score the way the world keeps score. Come on, the world keeps score through money. The world keeps score through prestige. The world keeps score through all of these things. We keep score like this. Did we maximize the potential that God gave us and do the best that we can with everything that was placed in our hand? That is how we define winning in life. Come on, let's really give God a hand clap if, if we believe. Come on, we believe we can win like that in life. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I want to win in life. And as a matter of fact, there's a whole book of the Bible by the name of Proverbs that was authored by a king to his son to teach him how to live a godly life and how to live a life that would be successful. And it's such a powerful book. I'll tell you what, I can read through Proverbs. I've read it, I don't know how many hundreds of times, and I read through it, and it always speaks to me fresh and new every day. And if you're, you're looking for something to read on a daily basis, I'm telling you what, you ought to add to your Bible reading every day at least one chapter of the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. You got one for every day of the month. Uh, it's so powerful. I, I knew that, that one of the strongest businessmen in this whole end of the state family that, that it amassed like the most, if you're keeping score financially, he would pay, I remember he would pay his children to read Proverbs every day because he believed that book would train them on how to win in life. See, if we're talking about winners and losers, the book of Proverbs, that's, that's modern kind of language, but the book of Proverbs would call it something else. It would call it the way of the fool or the way of the wise, a fool versus a wise person, a loser versus a winner. I want to show you some of the texts that kind of just show us this all the way through Proverbs. If you opened up Proverbs and started reading it, this concept would come again and again and again because here's what I believe. Our choices determine our destiny. Let me say it again. Our choices determine our destiny. Let me say it one more time. Our choices determine our destiny. Come on, somebody. We can choose our way higher in life. We can choose our way lower in life. All right, here's just some, some things it says about a fool and a wise person. Uh, I'm just going to read through some verses very quickly. Proverbs 29, 11, compare and contrast this. It says, a fool vents all his feelings. I just got to get that off my chest. I just got to say what I think. I just had to post it. I've just had enough of this. I, you hold all that in, it'll kill you. Come on, somebody. But the Proverbs author says a fool. Everybody say a fool. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Winners and losers, wisdom and fools. Proverbs 14, 16 says this. A wise man fears and departs from evil, 
but a fool rages and is self-confident. Wise man has the fear of the Lord, departs from evil, but the fool goes off, blows up, and is confident that he's always right. That's a winner and a loser, a wise man and a fool. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Man, the wise man understands that there is a lawgiver and a judge and that every man will give an account and that creates a healthy fear or a reverential respect of God. So a winner understands that there is a day of reckoning coming, but a loser despises wisdom and instruction. Come on, the wise man loves to be taught. I don't know about you, but I love the word. I love instruction. I love being taught. I love being pastored. I want somebody to preach to me. I, I like that in my life. You know, it, it changes me. All right, look at the compare and contrast in Proverbs 12, 15. It says this, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. So we see this compare and contrast again and again. Here's what I believe. I believe that our attitude will determine our altitude in life. Attitude is just almost everything. And I believe if I get the right attitude, I can get the right results in life. I'm not talking about just self-help or positive thinking. I'm talking about an attitude that's based in the Word of God. And if I'll take my attitude and I'll line it up with the Word of God, I believe I can change the altitude or the direction of my life. Now, if I let the world set my attitude, I believe I change the altitude of my life as well. I get headed downward. See, all of, all, all of our life really flows out of our heart. The Bible says this, that we're to Guard our heart with all diligence, for out of our heart flows the issues of our life. My heart is the wellspring of my life. See, nothing on the outside of me is determining how high I go in life. What really determines how high I go in life is what's on the inside of me. And if I'll fill me with the right stuff, I'm telling you God will take me to the right places. If I'll change my attitude to match his word, my altitude will go up. Now, now, yeah, come on somebody. I'm telling you that's the truth. But we, we really don't like that kind of teaching anymore in America because there's a reality that comes to pass is that, that, that maybe my life isn't where I should be because of something I've done. And it's so much easier to play the blame game. Think all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. The, the serpent comes. Eve is deceived. Takes of the fruit and eats it. Adam comes. Takes of the fruit and eats it. God shows up, says, what have you done? And everybody starts pointing at somebody else. Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. Come on, if you're sitting by your wife, you just turn around and tell her it's all your fault. Just tell her that right now. It's all your fault, right? And so she turns around and says, it's the serpent that did it. She blames it on the devil. Come on, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do that. You did it all out of your own will and volition, right? Everybody's pointing at somebody else. But I'm telling you, when freedom really comes, is whenever I see something in my life, and I point at my own attitude, at my own sinfulness, come on somebody, at my own lack of wisdom, at my own decisions, it really comes back most of the time to me. I can't control what goes on out here, but I can control what goes on right here. Now, I've been pastoring for 15 years now as a senior pastor. 
I've been in the kingdom of God since 1998. I got born again out in Amarillo, Texas, and got my life turned around. And the other, his church campus right now, it's going on this morning. Jesse's preaching out there. She sends her love. But I got, I got saved and, and got filled with the Spirit and got delivered from addiction, got the devil cast out of me. And then the first job that I had at the church is I was the chairman of the church. And uh, it's a pretty prestigious deal. They made me chairman as soon as I came in. Now, I'll tell you what the chairman does is the chairman tears down every chair after Sunday morning service because we had a school back then in the church house. And then I set every chair back up on Wednesday night. So I'm telling you, we're taking departments in, in the, we're taking applications in the chairman department. Uh, just turn to your neighbor, tell them you'd make a great chairman. Tell them that today, right? So, so I, I would watch people. And I would watch, uh, since 98, I've been watching Christians. I watch sheep, I watch people. Didn't he all like to, I mean, used to, we sit in the mall and watch people. Now we sit on our phones and watch people, right? How many cyber stalkers do I have out there? That you, I know you're out there. You're watching everybody all the time, right? So we watch them online now. It's not as obvious. But, but, but I'd watch people, and I would see their attitude and their altitude. And you really can tell that some people win in life. It's not necessarily all how they were set up. So I've watched people start with the greatest advantages and then lose so tragically in life. And then I've watched people with all the disadvantages win so gloriously in life. How does that happen? I think it's an attitude. It's a winning attitude. Here's a few things I've seen pastoring. I want to I wanna share them with us. I know it's kind of a tough message. It's a hard message, but I think it's a pastoral message and a necessary message. Here's some of the things I've noticed. If, you, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Winning versus losing attitudes. Here's what I see in the loser. I see the loser long-term fixates on who did not help them in life. They fixate on who did not help them in life, Right? Have you ever met an addict? I mean, I used to minister to addicts all the time, still do. And it was always nobody believes in me, nobody's pulling for me, nobody will help me. It's like, yeah, nobody believes in you because you stole their car and emptied their bank accounts. I wouldn't believe in you either. You have to change your behavior and they'll change their belief about you. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. You think that's some coaching out there. Yeah, of course they don't believe in you yet. Like whenever I got, Jesse and I got engaged, I'd been born again about two years, and she was at my hometown Providence walking down the street, and a young lady walked up to Jesse and said, hey, you know, if you're from out of town in Providence, people look at you, because they don't know what, I mean, what are you doing here, right? So they, they come up to Jesse, and they say, hey, I heard you're the girl that's engaged to Brian Gibson. And she said, yeah, I'm engaged to Brian Gibson. The girl said, why? Why in the world would you get engaged to him? And because uh, my, my reputation was still pretty poor in my hometown. Now, I'm telling you what, I changed the way I live. You go back there 20 years later, and I'm known as a man of God, a preacher, an evangelist, and a pastor in my hometown, and people call me to pray for me. Well, what changed? My track record changed, and the way they perceive me changes. Come on. If you want the way they perceive you to change, change your track record. And I'm telling you, the story they tell on you will change. And so, so I've watched these people will fixate on who didn't help them. But people who win in life will fixate and be thankful for those who have helped them, who have coached them, who have prayed for them. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for every teacher. I'm thankful for every coach. I'm thankful for every pastor. I'm thankful for every evangelist. I'm thankful for my mom and my dad. I'm thankful for the people in this church that helped me fight hell with a water pistol and get this church up off the ground. I choose to be thankful 
And I believe that my thankfulness will take me to a higher level in life. Man, let's focus on what has happened for us instead of what hasn't happened. You know, we got a, we got a great member of the church. She's a great young lady. We love her with all of our heart. And she was really raised without any kind of chance at all. Her uh, parents were addicts, really didn't take care of her, kind of passed her around as a child. And, and her story's really sad, but I'm telling you, she doesn't have a victim mentality at all. You talk to her, and she's got the most victorious mentality I've ever been around in my life. And finally, one lady did kind of keep her at her house and raised her. And, and she says this about her. She says, she's the most wonderful woman I ever met. Man, she clothed me. She cared for me. She, she, she uh, fed us. She made sure we were taken care of. And I got to ask her, I said, what did this lady do? And she said, well, she's a drug dealer. And I'm like, I'm like this woman was thankful. She had so little in life. She was thankful for the drug dealer that raised her. Now think about the people that were raised with the silver spoon in their mouth and they're not thankful for the mom that loved them, took them to school, took care of them and we got this girl thankful for the drug dealer that raised her. Come on, I think we can change our attitude and we can get a higher altitude. I'm telling you, it's the difference between a fool and a wise person. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap for all those people that coached us and helped us. I want to live that kind of life. I want to be thankful. One of the second things I see is the, the person that loses fixates on the resources they don't have. But the winner focuses on the God who will provide. Are you fixated on the resources you don't have? Is there always a reason you can't go forward? And the reason is always money. See, I know what it's like to get fixated on resources. I, I came to this town and... and um, we planted a church with really next to nothing. There were some great people that came out early on and helped us, but, but really we showed up with the Bible in this town. We started having meetings, and when we had meetings, uh, the technology we had in 2004, it was cutting edge. We had an overhead projector and a white sheet we pinned up on the wall. And I'm telling you, with that little bit of nothing, and just we kept going and had people that prayed and believed God, Come on, we got a church now here that's, that's close to a couple thousand people in two different states, and I'm telling you what, we're going to have 100 campuses, and we're going to reach 100,000 people in the future, because I'm not going to have a small dream, and I'm not going to be limited by my resources, and I'm not going to focus on now, I'm going to focus on the future. It's the way I choose to live. But you hear people say things like, well, here's like a middle class answer will be, well, you know, it takes money to make money. You ever heard people say that? That's somebody fixated on their current resources instead of fixated on the God who provides. Because I've seen the immigrant come to this country with nothing and roll up and escalate about five years later. If you hear people say, is this getting a little heavy in here? I'm sorry, but I'm heavy today, right? Can y'all handle this or do I need to save this for Wednesday night? You're going to cry to your mama later, or we're going to be all right at the end of this, right? Jesse needs to be here to tell me, don't say that on the front row. All right. Um, what, 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 I, what I'll say is, is uh, you'll hear people say things like, here's people that are fixated on resources. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. Don't ever let money limit you on what you're called to do in life. You ever heard people say money doesn't grow on trees? Well, I'm telling you, money grows on trees every day. 
peaches, apples, pears. Come on, somebody. All, all the fruit, that's just money, right? And see, the person with the wrong mind saying can't see the money. All they see is the leaves. But I want to look at the fruit. Or better yet, the one that's made us fruitful. The Lord, our provider. So instead of focusing on what we don't have, let's focus on what our God has provided for us and will provide. Come on, somebody. He is the Lord, our provider. Man, one of, one of the third things I see in, in the different people, you know, the different ways people flow in life, I see a lot of people that don't go higher in life, they get jealous of those who succeed. And... Um, they really, they, they, they take shots at those people. Uh, I was reading a book yesterday. I was reading a book by incredible author, Pastor Robert Morris, Pastor's Gateway Church down in Dallas. Incredible man of God, but um, he pastors really a lot of affluent people because Dallas has taken off like a rocket. It's growing so fast right now, and uh, that church has become amazing. And, and, and real strong churches, life message is really about giving and taking care of the house of the Lord and the resources of God. And he said there was a guy in our church, he was telling this story, and the guy saw it as his life mission to give away half of everything he earned. And he started when he didn't have a lot. And then God blessed the work of his hand, because God will bless a heart that says, man, I'm going to do what it takes to push the gospel down the road. And so he was driving through the neighborhood that guy lived in, and he had another guy from the church with him in the car. And the guy from, from the church with him in the car looked up. They drove by his house, and the guy lived in a pad. He had a nice house. And the guy looked over and said, he ought to sell that house and give it to the poor. And Pastor Morris said all he could think of is when they said, Judas said, instead of pouring out that oil on Jesus, that woman should have sold it and gave it to the poor. What that guy didn't know was this man gave half of his income away, came out of nothing, and had, had something. And so Pastor Morris turned around to him and said, have you ever thought about selling everything you have and giving it to the poor? Who's pitching, who's catching? Right? Most of the time when people say stuff like that, it comes out of jealousy, doesn't it? Listen, I've called myself before, find ministers that had larger platforms than me, instead of celebrating what God has done in their life, trying to find the holes in them to make myself feel better about why they were where they were and I was where I was. And it's a small symptom in life. So I've chosen to look for the good in people and to look at what's made them better. Come on, somebody. Look at what made them successful and try to pull that principle in my life. And maybe then God can lift me because I get my heart right. I think if we can't celebrate our brother's fatted calf, how are we ever going to get our fatted calf? Come on, I know it's tough, but we can give the Lord a hand clap. It's real. We don't need jealousy in the church. We need a heart of grace in the church. Here's what I see, and I'm, I'm about out of time, but I'll, I'll, I'll close with this, is that people who lose in life see themselves as a perpetual victim. People who win in life see themselves as a victor in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, some people, it doesn't matter what happens, they, they always talk as though they're the victim. 
They always have a story to tell. They want an ear. They want sympathy more than they want deliverance and help from the Lord. And so anytime you talk to them, it'll be a gloomy, doomy story. And as long as that's their song, I'll tell you what they'll have. They'll have a gloomy, doomy day tomorrow. See, if there's anything we're not as born-again believers is we are not victims. How can I say we're not a victim? Well, I'm telling you, the Bible says greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says right now you have resurrection power living on the inside of you. The Bible says that you're blessed with the blessing of Abraham. The Bible says you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You're the head and not the tail. Everything you touch, it's going to prosper. The Bible says you're healed. The Bible says you have joy. The Bible says you have full joy and the glory of God's in your life. How in the world can I be a victim if I'm a child of God, if I have an inheritance, if my home's in heaven, if there's a mansion prepared for me, if I can ask and receive, there's no way in the world I can remain a victim. I'm telling you, I'm a victor, for this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. He bought my victory at the cross. I'm not waiting on a victory. It's already been earned. Come on, somebody take a praise break in here. Let's give God glory. We're not going to stay victims. We are going to be victors in Jesus' mighty name. Would you stand up on your feet with me? I want to pray with you today. Come on, just stand up on your feet. Look at your neighbor and just tell them you're no victim. You're no victim. No way, no way, no how. You're no victim. I want you to say this out loud. Say, I'm a victor. Let's say it again. I'm a victor. Come on, one more time. I'm a victor. Here's, here's the difference. We just talked about it. Winning and losing, right? Wisdom and foolishness. It's the wisdom of God in our life. That's the difference, right? James said this, James chapter 1, verse 6. He said, you don't have to remain foolish. You don't, you don't have to. I'm telling you, even if you were raised by somebody that didn't teach you just the normal how-tos in life, you don't have to stay there anymore. you got a perfect Father in heaven, and He will show you what you need to know. He really will. He said this, He said, do any of you lack wisdom? All right, what's wisdom? Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is knowing where, how, and when to apply the knowledge God's given you. It's one thing to have knowledge, but if you have knowledge without wisdom, it really doesn't profit. It's almost like IQ and EQ. You got an IQ is how smart you are. EQ is knowing how to read the room and feel the people. You ever been around somebody with a high IQ, but they had no idea how to operate with people? Right? It doesn't work for them well in life. We can lock them up and let them build rockets, but out here they're a danger to themselves, right? It's the way it goes. Same difference with knowledge and wisdom. God said this, do any of you lack wisdom? What do I do in a situation? What do I do with a wayward kid? What do I do financially in my life? What do I do with my marriage? What do I, what do I, what do, I do with my business? What do I do with my small group? What do I do with my, my ministry? Well, what do I do? Any of you lack wisdom? Let, let him ask of God. Come on, God is waiting for you to ask him. He loves it when his children come and ask. You know, I don't get mad when my kids ask me for stuff. That's my role in their life right now. Now, there's going to be a day if they keep asking them, we'll be like, it's time for you to grow up, son, right? But, but, but right now, man, I love for them to ask, right? Sometimes the answer isn't right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to meet their needs. Well, if we being evil know how to give our children good gifts, how much more will a perfect father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right, he's a perfect father. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he gives to all liberally. 
means he won't just give you a little wisdom. I'm telling you, there are boatloads of wisdom available to every person in this room right now to help you navigate the decisions in life. There are two paths in front of us at all times. There's the path of the wise man and the path of the fool. And every day there's a fork in the road. But God says you don't know what to do. Ask of me, I'll give you wisdom liberally, and I'll give it to you without reproach. He said, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For you, doubts is like a wave driven and tossed by the wind. Man's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he should receive anything from the Lord. So we're going to ask God for wisdom. I'm going to ask God for wisdom. You're going to ask God for wisdom for each other this morning and for ourselves. I want you to close your eyes with me for one second. If you're comfortable with it, you may want to lift a hand to heaven to the one that gives wisdom. Come on, it's an international sign of surrender. I'm not putting pressure on you, but I'm telling you it's just it's, it's a surrender thing. So, so, Lord, we come now and we ask for wisdom. Lord, to navigate this life, we want to win because you are our victory. Lord, you're our victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You're the one who is the victor. You're the Lord of hosts, Lord of battle, the Lord of war. Right now, I ask now for wisdom for my brothers. Lord, I pray you give them boatloads of wisdom. You said if we ask, we'd receive. So I say wisdom now is calling from the streets. I declare that wisdom comes to them, takes them by the right hand, leads them, says unto them, fear not. I declare they hear the voice of the good shepherd. No other voice will you follow. Lord, I thank you that wisdom is greater than the weapons of war. Now I want you to ask. Say this to the Father. Say this. Say, Father, I thank you that if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask of you, and you'll give liberally and without reproach. Today I declare that I believe, I receive the wisdom of God in every area of my life. Wisdom for family, wisdom for my career, wisdom for, for my ministry, and wisdom for my life. I believe I receive it, not in the future, but right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, come on, let's give him a hand clap and thank him for it today.